Okay, good morning. Oop, I'll put this down. You might want to be turning in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read there in just a moment. I'm going to start into Acts chapter 2. We've, we have, as Dan's just said, been kind of making our early progress in a series through the book of Acts. A couple of messages in, we've looked at uh, Jesus ascending into heaven and then that, that time of waiting where the, the disciples uh, are gathered together, they're returned to Jerusalem and they appoint Matthias uh, to take Judas's place. Jesus has told them to return to Jerusalem and wait until I give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read uh, chapter 2 and the first 13 verses of that uh, today and we'll look at that together. Okay, so Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all those who were speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. We're going to look at this together today, but I'm going to tell you a story. This Monday, me and Anna went to the Commonwealth Games. So we, uh, we booked tickets not that long ago, but we've been waiting in anticipation for this moment to arrive. And finally it got to, to Monday. Well, what do we expect? It got to Monday. We dropped Andrew at the New Day coach and shot off to Birmingham. Drove there, got a tram into the city centre. We walked about. We saw the great big mechanical bull thing. We got to the arena. Okay, it's time. It's time, it's one o'clock on Monday. What did we expect? Well, to be fair, lots of it was exactly as we expected. We booked to see the gymnastics and we saw gymnastics. When we booked the tickets, it said that there was gonna be the men's floor final. There was the men's floor final. There was gonna be the men's pommel horse final. There was the men's pommel horse final. There was the women's vault final. That happened as well, you can see where this is going. There was the men's rings final. And that happened, and there was the women's uneven bars final, and that happened as well. It was exactly as we expected. In many ways, 
In lots of things, it kind of surpassed our expectations. The atmosphere, well, certainly mine, I won't speak for Anna. I can hear Frodo laughing from here. This is amazing. <laughs> the atmosphere, the excitement, the, 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 just the buzz of the whole place. This is incredible. The, the fact that there were medals for the home nations in every event, that surpassed expectation. In fact, four out of the five events, England won. This was incredible. I even say that as a Scotsman. But anyway. There were some things that didn't really meet up to right. Well, it could probably met up to my expectations, but were disappointing. Food and drinks prices at, an event, at a venue at the Commonwealth Games. We didn't buy anything. Merchandise. Oh my goodness. Anyway, maybe that was a little bit disappointing. But loads of things surpassed our expectations. And something that completely surprised us was ending up on TV ourselves. There you are. I nearly took a still... Well, I could have had a still shot and put it up, but I haven't got it. My disorganisation means you can't see that. Unless you go to iPlayer... No, you don't want to do that. You can go to iPlayer and watch the men's rings final. Watch after the guy from Jersey does his rings thing. And you will see us concentrating entirely on being polite and clapping away. There we are. That's our moment of fame. But what do we expect... Well, we expected a good time. And in lots of ways, those expectations were met. In some ways, it blew us away. Some things were disappointing. Loads of things were, in, were amazing and beyond our expectation. Well, the wait is over for the disciples. What did they expect when Jesus had told them to wait for the Holy Spirit? Wait in Jerusalem. And then in a few days, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. Is this what they had expected? And if I can broaden that question, what are our, our expectations of being filled with the Holy Spirit and of the Holy Spirit at work amongst us in our daily lives today? So where are we? In Acts chapter 2, it's the festival of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost came. Pentecost, originally a Jewish harvest festival, one of, one of three Jewish harvest festivals, also known as the Festival of Weeks. It happened seven weeks, seven sevens after the Passover festival, maybe plus one, 50 days on from the Passover. Begun as this harvest festival. Later, during the time between the Old and New Testament, the Jews had started observing this. Well, well, the Passover, we're remembering the Exodus, and so kind of 50 days later, that's kind of when Moses received the law on Mount Sinai. And they started remembering the law being given. And at this time, and in this moment, God meets with his people and pours out his spirit. We can draw a parallel. Back when the first Passover happened, they, they, they were in Egypt. The Passover lamb had died in their place. They'd been saved. They crossed the sea. They came out. Roughly 50 days later, Moses ascends the mountain and the law is given. And now we see have been saved from sin. Jesus 
has died and risen again. Jesus has died and risen again, taking their place, taking our place. And 50 days later, Jesus has ascended into heaven and now God gives his spirit. We see as the nation remembered their kind of their birth as a nation saved out of Egypt. Now we see the birth of the church. A people from all nations saved from sin. Then a people saved from Egypt. Now a people from every nation saved from sin. Yeah, we can see the parallel. So similar and yet so different. This is the glory of the new covenant. As Paul just mentions in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6. He's talking to the Corinthians saying that, that he, God, has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. The nation had been birthed and the law had been given. The old covenant had lasted for centuries. Now Jesus has died and risen again. And now the spirit has been poured out. The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. There is life here. This is the new covenant, the glory of the new covenant. Salvation has come through Christ and God has poured out his spirit on his people. What we see here is life-giving, it's glorious, it's wonderful. So what happens? There's an amazing scene, they're gathered together in one place. The day of Pentecost comes and... They hear a sound as of a violent wind. This incredible noise that must have come. They see what looks like tongues of fire coming down and separating and landing on and resting on each one of them. And they're filled with the Spirit and they speak out. They start speaking out and they realise they're speaking in all sorts of different languages. It's an incredible, dramatic, noisy scene that's going on. And we see this crowd gathers, all people from all sorts of nations who are gathered in the city for that time. Hear, they hear what's going on. What, what is this? What, what are we hearing? And they gather and we end up with this crowd of people from every nation, tribe, and every nation under heaven as it's described. Every nation of that, that region, every nation uh, that they could think of. Hearing the wonders of God in their own language. What has Jesus told them? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. And here, as the Spirit is given, what a picture of this. Beginning right that day, the nations gathered, hearing the wonders of God in their own language. What a picture of God's purpose in sending the Holy Spirit, that the word would go to the nations. That there would be a great multitude one day in heaven from every nation, tribe and tongue gathered round the throne. Well, here we are, as the Spirit is given. 
every nation under heaven hearing the wonders of God declared in their own language. What a glorious picture. And they hear the wonders of God declared in each of their language by this group of uneducated Galileans. Which leads them to these, this reaction of bewilderment. They're perplexed, they're confused, they're curious. Astonished even. What is going on? How can this be? The crowd, hearing the glories of God declared, wait a minute, all those men are from Galilee. And yet I hear languages from all over the region, all over every nation that they could think of. What's going on? We see astonished reactions. But we also see a split reaction. The Holy Spirit has come. The Holy Spirit is at work. And we see a reaction. Some of us who said are curious. How can this be? Perhaps wanting that sense of tell us more. And spoiler alert, next week Peter will tell them more. Next week we'll see Peter telling them more and thousands responding to the gospel. Big spoiler alert. Responding to Peter's explanation of how can this be. So some are curious, some are wanting to know more, some are thinking, how can this be? Others are dismissive and mocking. They have had too much wine. We see some curious, open, expectant, and others mocking, dismissive, and skeptical. As we look today about the Spirit being poured out, about being filled with the Spirit, we, we can recognise that versions of those reactions are still very present with us today, both, dare I say, within the church as a whole. Where questions around baptism in the Spirit and whether spiritual gifts are for today or not has raged across the years. But of course, beyond that, in the world around us and particularly in the modern West, where with, in a sense, the deification of science and of materialism. Where's your evidence for that? What are you talking about? No, no, we can explain that physically. We do, no, there's no... They, don't talk about the supernatural. What do you want about? Some may be curious and expectant. Others are dismissive. And as we look today, I want to encourage us both to raise our expectations. Would we be more expectant of the working of the Holy Spirit amongst us? But also to recognise, as the Spirit works in and through us, we should expect a reaction. Maybe some curiosity. Maybe something far more aggressive or dismissive. So as we look through today, I, I'm encouraging us to raise our expectations in three ways. There you go. Firstly, let us expect 
to be filled. What have we seen? Jesus says, wait in Jerusalem until the Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Wait until the Spirit has come on you. We see as Jesus has spoken to his disciples, he, he is, he's gone to the cross, he's died, he's risen again and he's ascended. He's prepared them. I'm going, but I'm going to come back to you. I'm going to send the Spirit. The Spirit is going to be with you. You're going to go out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is not an optional add-on. Living lives in the power of the Spirit is necessary. And it's promised. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, I, I, was, I was planned and ready to bring a drill with me today. I forgot the drill. And then I remembered, thankfully, there is a battery-powered screwdriver in the office downstairs. So, I mean, this is impressive and powerful. But this screwdriver, without this, is not quite useless because I can use it as a normal screwdriver. But if I press the buttons, it does nothing. It needs power. Any power tool, you need to plug it in or you need to put the batteries in. Four double A's doesn't seem particularly impressive. But if I put the batteries in, wait for this. That's good. But there is power, not much power, granted. Four AA batteries are not the Holy Spirit. But with a power tool, we need to plug it in or we need to plug the batteries in. It needs it. And when, provided these batteries are charged, which they are, when I plug this in, this will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. We need it. The disciples needed him. And we need him. The Holy Spirit at work in us. Now, there is a great extent that Pentecost is special. This is a special moment. But not to the point that we're to, we're to say, oh, well, of course, therefore, the Holy Spirit was just for the apostles. No. No. Being filled, being baptised in the Spirit is for all who believe. As Peter will go on to quote from Joel chapter 2, more spoilers. In the last days, God says, this is Acts 2, 17 or Joel chapter 2. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see vision, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And he goes on. I will pour out my spirit on all people. We see throughout Acts, God's people filled with the Holy Spirit. We see it when we come to the choosing of Stephen and the rest of the seven who are, who are called to wait on, uh, wait, on wait on table, distribute food, to do a great job on behalf of the apostles. In Acts chapter 6, 
And in Acts chapter 6 and verse 5, they've come up with an idea and they said this proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And also Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and all the others. They look for men filled with the Spirit. Peter, later with Cornelius, he goes to Cornelius' house and while Peter is still speaking, the Holy Spirit falls on them. And they're amazed. Even, even these guys, these Gentiles, the Spirit has fallen on them. In Ephesus, Paul finds a group of believers in Acts chapter 19. In fact, Paul asks them the question, did you receive the Spirit? Acts 19 verse 2. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we've not even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. And as the story goes on, if I can summarise... Did you receive the Spirit when you believed? No? Well then receive. Receive the Spirit. And Paul lays his hands on them and they're filled with the Spirit. Paul later when writing to the Ephesians, he commands it. We've read it many times uh, in the introduction to, to reading a psalm. or well, We've read a bit of it. In Ephesians chapter 5. Lots of weeks. Ephesians 5 and verse 18, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. To then go on, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be filled. Go on being filled. In those verses, see the contrast. Next chapter 2. Oh, well, the mocking cry comes, they've had too much wine. But what's Paul saying? No, 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 don't get drunk on wine, which is the debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. People can turn to alcohol or many other things as an answer to problems, but ultimately discover it is no answer. It's not the real thing, as Rach was reminding us of earlier. It can masquerade, it can pretend, it can say, oh yeah, I can do, I, I, I can help. Now, now, bear with me, this is now alcohol talking. I can help. I can make you feel better. Perhaps it can bring momentary happiness. Perhaps a momentary sense of our problems being forgotten. A, a carefree, happy moment. But ultimately, it's destructive. Ultimately, it's fake. Ultimately, it can't provide. Not what life with Jesus, filled with his spirit, can bring. Go on being filled. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. People can argue, I've already got it. I did receive when I believed. No need to be filled with the Spirit. Well, Paul's, when we look in Ephesians 5, Paul's sense is, go on being filled. Martin Lloyd-Jones, when challenged by people giving that same argument, gave this famous reply. You've got it all? Well, if you've got it all, I simply ask, in the name of God, why are you as you are? 
If you've got it all, why are you so unlike New Testament Christians? Got it all? Got it at your conversion? Well, where is it, I ask? Go on being filled. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Receive from him and go out in his power. You see, Paul is clear as Martin Lloyd-Jones is clear. No, there is a real answer. Here is the real answer. Don't look elsewhere. Don't look to alcohol or anything else, but be filled with the Spirit. As I poured it out on my disciples, as Jesus might say, at the beginning, be filled and go on being filled with the Spirit. It's necessary and it's promised and he has been given. So let's be expectant. And when we ask, we will be filled. Secondly, we can expect to declare the wonders of God and see a reaction. You see, as they are filled with the Spirit, we see the disciples proclaiming the wonders of God to the crowd from every nation. And ultimately, as we do look, again, I'm sorry, Dan, I'm giving lots of spoilers for next week. Ultimately, we see thousands saved. We see the boldness and the courage and the, this sense of, in one sense, that, that, that understanding, you can vaguely understand why the people might have gone, are they drunk? Because they're, they're, they're disinhibited, they're, they're, they're going for it, they're not, they're not hiding away anymore. They're filled with the Spirit and I'm talking, I'm going to keep declaring the truth. I'm going to keep declaring it. I'm, man, there's a crowd gathered, but I'm going to go for it. There's a boldness and a courage that the Holy Spirit brings. Well, what did Jesus say? You will have received power to be my witnesses. That's what he promised. You see, this is the purpose. Wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Living for God, living for his mission, declaring his truth and seeing people saved and added. We can look back to the, some wonderful verses back in John's gospel from where we were, we were there just uh, several weeks, maybe a couple of months ago. Through chapter 14 and chapter 15 and chapter 16 as Jesus is preparing his disciples I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he will teach you. He'll explain it to you. I'm going to send my spirit and he will witness to the truth and you must witness also. I'm going to send my spirit on you. It's good for you that I go away because if I don't go away, I can't send the spirit to you. And when the spirit comes, he will guide you in all the truth. He'll give you power to live for me. He'll give you power to be my witnesses. He'll give you power to keep living by faith, to keep going, to keep going, to know me with you. This is the purpose, living for God and his mission, his kingdom empowered by his spirit. And here they are declaring these wonders of God and they see a reaction, good and bad. How 
can this be? Tell us more. They've had too much wine. Recognize this. We can expect to be filled. We can expect to be empowered by him and to take steps of faith in boldness and to declare the wonders of God and expect a reaction. This is powerful. The word of God is powerful. The gospel of God is offensive. It offends people. But it's life-giving and it transforms people and it changes people. It's changed so many of us in this room. So as we step out in boldness and declare this truth, some will respond positively. And others, again, remember John 15, verse 18, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. So we can expect, as we step out in the boldness and power that comes by being filled with the Spirit and declare this truth, we can expect a reaction. But this is what we want to see. Isn't this what we want to see? Isn't this what we want to see more and more and more of? The gospel proclaimed, the wonders of God declared to all nations. And people responding more and more and more. As we see the nations gathered in Jerusalem that day, we'll see the nations gathered in Sheffield. People from many, 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 many different nations and languages and tongues. Let's be filled and declare the wonders of God. See the lost all around us in our communities, in our workplaces, in our schools, in the local park or supermarket. Person after person, hundreds and thousands of people lost and hurting and lost in sin. You see, we can expect boldness, to declare his wonders and expect to see a reaction. This is why the Holy Spirit was given, that we may live for him and therefore we may be his witnesses. So let's raise our expectations and step out boldly, full of the Spirit, declaring the wonders of God. Let's see a reaction. Thirdly and quickly... Let's expect to see and hear the Spirit at work. What do we see in this place? It's a dramatic scene. It's huge. And yes, the Holy Spirit comes and fills them with boldness to proclaim, but this is supernatural and miraculous. I mean, that boldness is supernatural and miraculous, but this is something's happening here that they couldn't even kind of imitate on their own. These uneducated Galileans, yes, they've spent three years with Jesus, but they haven't been learning every language from around the region. As they're filled with the Spirit, they each speak in other languages, as the Holy Spirit enabled them. 
We see a wonderful work of the Holy Spirit here on this day of Pentecost in Jerusalem. The disciples begin to speak languages they haven't learned and find they're speaking the languages of all those who gather in the crowds. People from this vast array of countries that we read in Acts chapter 2. When the Spirit moves amongst us and in us, let us be expectant that things will happen. Yes, the Spirit's purpose is this. He will guide you in all truth. He will, he will witness and you, will, you should witness too. He will, he will be the comforter. He will be the advocate. He will come and be with you and enable you to live. But don't misunderstand that therefore he's somehow this kind of passive battery pack. Plugs in and then we can kind of do what we were supposed to do. That's true. Don't downplay that either. He empowers and strengthens and makes us able to live for him. But the Holy Spirit is powerful. And he's not passive. The Holy Spirit enables them to do things that they could never do before. Let's expect powerful things. We see even in thinking of that, yes, I've, he has come that you may be my witnesses. Well, Paul in, in Romans 15, how does Paul describe, he's, he's very matter of fact, he's not kind of bigging up something massively. But in Romans 15, he talks about declaring the gospel of God. In Romans 15 and verse 18. Let's start in 17. Therefore I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey by God what I have said and done. By the power of signs and wonders through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. Paul's making clear, I'm going to declare the gospel and I have declared the gospel of God and the Holy Spirit has been at work in signs and wonders accompanying what's been going on. And therefore I have fully declared this truth that God has given me to declare. Paul has fully proclaimed the gospel. Peter is about to boldly declare, but it's off the back of and accompanied by the Spirit at work in signs and wonders. The Spirit at work doing incredible things. As we gather together and as we go, let's expect the Holy Spirit to be at work. Let's raise our expectations of what the Holy Spirit can do in us and through us and in the lives of those around us. You see, we see the miraculous power of the Spirit at work on the day of Pentecost. Yes, in boldness. Yes, in giving power to proclaim. Yes, in the fruit of the Spirit, in growing in their lives. But yes, in this miraculous activity, they speak in languages they've never, heard, they've never learned. And so let's expect to see and hear the Holy Spirit at work. 
You see, we can talk more at other times about the whole variety and different things that the Holy Spirit, the different gifts that the Holy Spirit can give and does give. Paul talks in 1 Corinthians 12 of some of them which we know. But today, as we focus here, let's remember Paul's words in, in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 31. Let's eagerly desire the greater gift. Let's eagerly desire. Let's be expectant. Let's be expecting that as the Spirit fills us, as the Spirit is at work, we're going to see things happen. When we gather, even as we've gathered this morning, what are we doing here? We're meeting with God. The Holy Spirit is here amongst us and at work amongst us. We're not here to go through our set pattern, to go through our plan, but to meet with him, to praise him, to glorify him, and to meet with the living God by the power of his Holy Spirit who he is amongst us. We get to hear from him. We get to have him speak to us and through us. We get to have him heal amongst us. Let's raise our expectation. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. He meets with these group of believers on the day of Pentecost. And as they are filled with the Spirit, they're speaking languages they never learn. And declaring the wonders of God to a whole crowd of people from all sorts of different nations. The Holy Spirit is powerful. As we meet together, let's continue to long to see what we term contributions. 1 Corinthians 14, when you meet together, let me go there before I start to paraphrase. 1 Corinthians 14, 26, what should we say then, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. What John was kind of getting at with the prophetic, stirring hope, building up the church, encouraging Let's be expecting. We want to hear from him. We want to desire to be used by him. As we meet and as we go out. You see, as we go through the book of Acts, we'll see many, many examples of healing. As, as Peter and John go, and in fact, in the next chapter, in chapter 3, we'll see, uh, we'll see a, the kind of first healing that we see. A man just by the side of the road. Next to the temple, I think, I now should have actually looked at the story in more detail before trying to actually tell you what the story says. Anyway, you know, they, they heal this man. And go on through seeing incredible things that are happening as the gospel goes out. And as the disciples go out, as the church is expanding, as the kingdom is going forward, the Holy Spirit at work. Bringing healing, bringing transformation, bringing deliverance, bringing change in people's lives. This is what Paul picks up on in Romans 15 as we read. He's declared the gospel through what he said and done. It's been accompanied by the Holy Spirit performing signs and wonders. Don't we want to see more of that? Okay, I'm landing. 
we see in Acts chapter 2 is the wait is over. The Holy Spirit has been poured out. He's come. So let's be expectant that we can go filled with the Holy Spirit. Emboldened, empowered by him. And as we gather and as we go, we can be in faith, expectant, eager to see him working, to see us proclaim the truth with boldness and get a reaction, but to see the Holy Spirit working in miraculous signs and wonders, testifying to this glorious truth. So I'm going to close with a question. What do we do? I think Jesus would give us the answer in Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11 and verse 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Shall we ask him?